Hello, everyone. This is episode three of the Parks Academy, where we discuss and celebrate all things theme parks related. We focus mainly on Disney parks and resorts in both Anaheim and Orlando. My name is Paige. My name is Steven. And today we are continuing our mini series about our ideal day in each park. Today we're going to be talking about a great park, Hollywood Studios. Maybe one of the smaller parks in the Walt Disney World property. But nonetheless, it is a great space. Lots of cool things there. And we are going to talk about uh, attractions, entertainment, dining, and things to do. Just kind of some random things that are fun, little secrets maybe. So we're just going to jump right on into it. Paige, why don't you kick us off with attractions? Get right in and talk about some of those uh, attractions you like so much. Absolutely. So I think one of the things about Hollywood Studios is... It is probably the park that has changed the most in the last 20 or so years since I've been going to Walt Disney World. So we obviously have new lands like Galaxy's Edge and Toy Story Land. And some of my favorite rides are in those areas. So in terms of attractions, when I go to Hollywood Studios, there's a couple that I absolutely have to ride. I'm going to start with the old school ones, um, Star Tours is right up there for me in some one of the attractions that I absolutely have to ride. Yeah, we talked a little bit about Star Tours in our very first episode when we were doing the comparison of rides in Anaheim versus Orlando. And we both came to the conclusion that the one in 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 Orlando and in Hollywood Studios is far superior just based on the outside of it and that whole experience seeing the AT-AT and uh kind of walking into indoor like that. And I think they also have a stage for show. So it's a great, I mean, it's a great ride. It's it, it's a definitely a, a cannot miss. And because it can be so different every time you see it, it's just an attraction that every time you go, you could get a completely different experience. And so I think for that reason, especially, it's worth making sure that you hit it every time you go to Hollywood Studios. One of the cool things too about that ride is at, at the end of it, you actually walk out into uh, this really cool gift shop that's almost uh, themed after Tatooine. So it's cool. It's it's a it's a Star Wars fan's dream. And obviously I have a lot to say about Galaxy's Edge. We'll get there. Yeah, so the next ride that is a little bit older than um, some of the other ones on my list would be Toy Story Mania. And I mentioned this one in the first episode also because I am super competitive. So whenever I get to compete on a ride, um, that is just the best for me. I love scoring points, getting to compete against other people in the ride vehicle. So Toy Story Mania, um, even though they have since changed where you enter, it actually fits so much better in Toy Story Land now that they've built all around this ride. Um, it really feels really cohesive, and it's such a fun attraction that, again, every time you do it, um, you get to feel like you're competing and um, really making your experience what it is. Yeah, it's definitely a cool area. They had, like, that Pixar walkway, that was, which was interesting about it. Um, and for those of you who may not know, that, that older brick-laden Pixar walkway area was actually designed after the studios in Emeryville, which I've actually had the pleasure of going to a handful of years ago. And um, that whole area is just really, really cool. Um, last time we were there and it was open, it was a Incredibles meet and greet area. And um, it's just cool. Yeah, the the whole Toy Story land, it's a, it's a cool space. 
That's for sure. And and there's no, and Toy Story Mania is a fun ride. There's it's never gets old. Right. It's so fun. And we get really competitive with each other on that ride. So that's always a good time. Um, the next one that I would say you absolutely have to do, and these are two newer rides. So the one would be Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Um, I think the best part about this ride is that I really did not know what to expect going in because I tried to stay away from as many spoilers as possible on the internet before I wrote it the first time. Um, and the line did end up being kind of long, so just be prepared to wait for this ride a little bit because it is still fairly new, um, especially compared to the other rides in Hollywood Studios. So you definitely will have to wait. But this took the place of the great movie ride, which was probably my favorite ride in Hollywood Studios. And I was super disappointed when they removed it. But replacing it with Mickey Mouse's very first ride in any of the parks um, is super special. And they did such a good job. I love the new animation and that style of the new Mickey Mouse cartoon. Um, so I think this this ride is so well done and it's so unique. It's such a great modern ride. And you can really see that Disney has kind of found this new niche with um, these new types of rides. Like the trackless ride system? Right. Yeah. So I, I think it's I think it's just such a fun, unique experience, especially if you haven't been in on any of these newer Disney rides like Rides of the Resistance or the Ratatouille Adventure. Um, this Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is one of the modern rides that is absolutely worth the long wait. Yeah, that new kind of trackless uh, ride technology, um, it's it's super cool. And it's it's actually been around a lot longer, I think, than than people think. Um, the Winnie the Pooh ride in Tokyo is actually a, on a trackless ride like that. Um, and uh, a handful, and like the Ratatouille ride was in uh, Paris for quite a while before it came over to the States. Right. Um, but yeah, Mickey and Minnie's is cool. I'm glad that I got to ride the great movie ride at least one time before it shut down. And I know that a lot of people had uh, some pretty heavy gripes about it shutting down when it did. Um but Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railroad, or Railway, Railway, Railroad, whatever. Close enough. It's a, it's a, it's a worthy replacement for sure, and it's a lot of fun. Um, pretty big surprises in the queue, and uh, it's super family friendly, which is great. Little we also ones can definitely ride it. get the songs stuck in our head all the time. <laughs> it's very catchy, very catchy yeah, too. For sure. I mean, it's better than Small World, but it's still, it's a good song, <laughs> and it's, it can grind on you though after a little while. That's for darn sure. Yeah, but it's fun to just sing it randomly. Oh, yeah. It's like the song from Inside Out with the triple dent gum, mm -hmm. where it just yeah. kind of gets stuck in your head. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. So my last attraction that I would say I absolutely have to do, and I know Steven does not agree with how much I love this ride, but Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, to me, is my favorite part of Galaxy's Edge. And I said it before, I'm not the biggest Star Wars person. I had actually never really seen Star Wars until I met Steven. But this is another ride where, depending on how competitive you are and which roles you get and the other people in your ride vehicle, this ride can be really, really awesome and fun and competitive, or you can just crash into a bunch of stuff and have a really bumpy ride. 
Um, so every time you get on this, it is completely dependent on who your pilot and co-pilot are as to how the ride actually goes. So this one, for me, if if I have some level of control in being either the pilot or the co-pilot, there my control issues are out there on our podcast. If I have some <laughs> right. level of control on this ride, it is it is up there in my top rides um, and even my top experiences for Disney because it it is such a fun ride when you when you do it well. It is a fun ride, and I have a a lot a lot a lot to say about Galaxy's Edge, um, Batu, and I will get to it. I I I I don't. I wouldn't give you any flack for liking the ride. It's fantastic. I think the thing that's interesting to me about it is that it's kind of a dream to get on the Millennium Falcon and fly it. But the fact that Hondo is the main character in that story is just weird. I first was introduced to him like everyone else in the Clone Wars and uh, Star Wars Rebels. If you kind of go into that canon and um, he's fine. I mean, he's definitely a minor character in those shows Um, and he's cool, you know, but I don't know the fact that he was kind of the main key with the. Millennium Falcon and of course Chewbacca's in there and that's fun, but right. it's it's kind of weird that he's in there. So I I love it. It's a fun ride. I don't have any issues with it mm-hmm. at all. I kind of wish that there was different sorts of well, I guess the only thing that I would say is what I wish about it is that there were more storylines. Um there's only so many coaxial cables you can get and but the thing is is that the ride is so unique in that you are actually flying it like a simulator. Mm-hmm. And everything that you do makes a difference that I don't think that they could come up with dozens of different campaigns that you'd have to run right. without putting in billions of dollars into that um, technology right? and everything that goes with that. So, yeah, I mean, it's great. And I don't really want to spend too much time on it because, I, like I said, I have a ton to say about Galaxy's Edge. And that is, spoiler horn, my all-time favorite favorite space to be um i mean i would i would set up shop and work there if i could like on my laptop and just answer emails and hang out all day there it's so great oh you could have spent our whole day there when we went i tried to i really tried to well there's a lot to do and see just in the galaxy's edge area so it's understandable and i and i see what you're saying about hondo yes hondo correct yeah um because i legitimately had no idea who he was when i got in that line and on that ride and i wish there had been some han solo in that ride if i'm getting on the millennium falcon yeah but the thing with batu is that it takes place in between the last jedi and rise of skywalker right so it's before anything happens in the rise of skywalker with right. uh, ben solo and ray and all that um so it, it kind of has this sort of uh, canonical storyline that is stuck in time Mm -hmm. and so because of that we have sort of these characters that may not feel like they fit but i think a lot of people were kind of irritated that galaxy's edge wasn't original trilogy based when it first came out and i can understand that for sure i mean that's a big part of what so many people love about star wars um but it fits and it's modern and People really like it. Right. Well, and I think it's difficult, too, if you start having 
like what age would they have Han Solo be if they incorporated him in the park? If you have Ray and Kylo Ren walking around, I mean, they can't all be the same age that they were in their films. Right. So there and has he, to be some sort of cohesion with when this in the timeline takes place, like you said. So I I understand. I just Han Solo is my favorite character. And I got to drive the Millennium Falcon, and I didn't even see Han Solo. So th- that would be my only complaint. Yeah, that's, I agree. I Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. As far as attractions go, though, uh, there's, I don't want to say there's not a lot of rides. Well, but I just stole the majority of them. And I'll, yeah, you really did. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that one thing I really got to do when I'm in Hollywood Studios is the Tower of Terror. It's a great ride. You've never been on it before. You're correct. Yeah, I have it's... never once ridden the Tower of Terror, but there is a slight backstory to that that I'll share in a minute. That's the most wild thing. Um, in Anaheim, they restructured the entire Tower of Terror to uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, which is really, really fun. I wrote it for the first time a couple years ago, and it's super cool, but... The Twilight Zone Tower of Terror is iconic. Um, I remember riding it in California for the first time. And there's a slight difference between the ride operations in Orlando versus Anaheim, just especially in the experience when you uh, kind of have that beginning narration and are going through um, before you kind of get to the drop. And it's such a cool ride. And for me, it's definitely a must-do. I also really like rock and roller coaster quite a bit those those whole areas in sunset boulevard are just they're really really cool and for me anyway it's they're they're two pretty thrilling rides within the parks that you just don't really get typically at a disney property and even as a younger kid when i was thinking about disney world and looking up you know the different rides and stuff that were there long before I went. Uh, Rock and Roller Coaster was pretty high up on my list of rides. It looked really, really cool to me. I could kind of take or leave the Aerosmith music. Oh, but... that's my favorite part. <laughs> I could take it or leave it, but the ride is super fun, and I do like a uh, indoor roller coaster. It's kind of Space Mountain-y, but with Steven Tyler's mouth. So that's true. Yeah, you've been on that one. I have. I have not been on that ride since. Like 2012-ish, I think it was my senior year music field trip was the last time I rode that ride. I just, those those fast takeoffs at the beginning is just a lot for me. And the Tower of Terror, I have not ridden that ride before. One, because I don't like big drops. I get really freaked out. I have asthma and I take my inhaler before I do scary roller coasters. It's just a thing. And I've never once done the Tower of Terror, but I think what put the nail in the coffin for me was when my brother and my dad rode this ride, and my brother was so scared when he came off. My dad was laughing hysterically, and I was like, that's it. I'm never going on. If Chad was that scared, I'm never, ever, ever going on. <laughs> so it's, it's not So that thanks bad, for though. that, dude. <laughs> it's really not that bad, and uh, I think it's a lot of fun, but... You could definitely ride Rock and Roller Coaster next time we go. I think because you rode Incredicoaster in California. Well, right, and, and you once really I liked get it a past lot. the takeoff, I I absolutely love the ride. Like I can go fast, upside down, twist and turns, corkscrews, and I love Aerosmith. They're one of my favorite bands. I love eighties music, 
Um, so it's not even the ride as a whole. It's just the takeoff for me that is so, so abrupt that it makes me so anxious when I watch the countdown with the lights. I've been in this line several times in the ride queue, and then I just pop off and say I'm going to wait at the exit, uh, which I've actually done with the Tower of Terror also a couple times. You did that with me last time where you bailed and got in, an, in a real elevator. Well, right, and I I literally said to the cast member, are you positive that this is a normal elevator and you're just taking me back to the exit because I just didn't want to take any chances? Yeah, I, I'm going to get you on Tower of Terror at some point. I, I think I could get on the Guardians of the Galaxy version. Yeah, that one is a lot of fun. It's not, It there's not really a lot of anxiety that Leading is, up to it. Yeah, it's not really baked into the ride. So we'll talk about that one on another episode, but it's 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 a lot more fun. Well, isn't there is also loud 80s music? Yeah, and so, Chris Pratt's kind of doing his thing. and uh, So if you blare loud 80s music in my ears, I may be able to get through anything. Yeah. Rocket's running his mouth. It's a different kind of ride. Right. So I think I could do it okay. well, someday. Someday. Cool. So, I, yeah, I really like those two rides a lot. And um, since we're on attractions, I'm just going to talk quickly, too, about how much I absolutely love, love, love Rise of the Resistance. I have ridden that ride three times, and that may not seem like a lot, but trust me, it is with how much pain you have to go through to get on it most of the time. We, the first time I rode it, we went to, and I talked, I talked about this before, I think, but we went to uh, Anaheim like a couple weeks after Rise of the Resistance had opened, and we were lucky enough to get on it, but that was when you had to basically be in line an hour before park opened so you can get in and then get your boarding pass ready to go and check into the ride. Um, really, really stressful stuff. And I was able to procure that twice. But last time we were in um, Hollywood Studios, it was my first time actually going into Galaxy's Edge East. And around one o'clock, we had the opportunity as well to get a boarding pass for Rise. And it, I have a video of it that's just hilarious. But we are sitting in uh, Grand Avenue, kind of near Pizza Rizzo's. And we're sitting at these tables and everyone is just waiting and waiting and waiting to get their boarding pass. And once everyone gets it, there is just like this sea of screams and cheers and high fives and like grown man tears. It, it was, was hilarious. It was awesome. <laughs> so I love that ride. Um, I can't, I, yeah, I can't get enough of it. I went full media blackout for it when it first opened. So I didn't see anything about it in Orlando at all. And just being able to go on it for the first time was such an experience. Um, the line itself, like, holy moly, it is fantastic. Such a cool ride. Yeah, that ride, also very surprising um, because there's so much novelty about it. So many things that have not been done before in other rides here in the States that we got to see and experience for the first time. So. I can understand the hype around Rise of the Resistance um, and and all of the pieces of it with the virtual queue and everything. But now there's no virtual queue anymore. Right. The line is is horrible. Um, last time I went on it, I rode alone because you, you weren't able to ride at the time. Yeah, we went for our baby moon. Yeah. So there were several rides I unfortunately couldn't do being six or seven months pregnant. Right. But I... 
I was able to go on it with a family who had never been on it before. And that was really, really cool for me because again, spoilers. So if you haven't had a chance to write it yet, and if you are on a kind of blackout, just skip forward a little bit. But when you're on the transport and it opens up to the room full of stormtroopers, it was so fun for me just to go to the opposite side of the transport and just kind of observe everyone's reactions to it. And then just kind of watch when we were in the room with Kylo Ren and the resistance uh, rescue mission. Just it, it's, it's really fun to watch people for the first time on that ride. Um, so it's just, it's like, it's like joy all the way down being on that thing. Well, right. And there's so many pre-shows, like you go from room to room to room thinking like, oh, is this the ride? Is this, is it starting? Is this where I get on the ride vehicle? So right. I think it's just so surprising that being able to experience it with someone who's never done it before is just so cool to see their, their response to it. Right. So I think, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff in Hollywood studios that's worth doing. Um, I know that a lot of people love, love, love Slinky Dog Dash. I haven't been on it yet. And the reason is because I didn't want to wait in that line for a roller coaster that I'm not going to say it's for kids, but it just didn't seem like I needed to but go it on it. it appeals to families. Yeah. And I think because, yeah. and we'll ride it, I'm sure, the next several times that we go now that we have a little one. Right. But um, yeah, we just, as adults, we were like, we just haven't spent much time in Toy Story Land. We haven't eaten in Toy Story Land. Um, other than Midway Mania, we haven't. We did the alien swirling saucers, and that was kind of fun. Oh, well, that was just a fun that was thing. Cool. I just giggled the whole time because I love those kinds of rides. Yeah, so we haven't really done that. But, um, uh, I mean, yeah, it's there's a lot of great stuff there. I mean, that's a, there's cool rides there. And the other thing, too, is I just wasn't willing to wait, like, 90 to 120 minutes for a short Slinky Dog roller coaster. Right. And I think the thing, too, about Hollywood Studios is you really do have to pick and choose what you're willing to wait in long lines for or else you'll just be waiting in line all day because most of the bigger rides in Hollywood Studios always have a decently long line because there's not as many rides as somewhere like Animal, I'm sorry, Magic Kingdom, um, where the crowds kind of are all over the place with Hollywood Studios, you have the big rides and the older rides that are big rides are usually a little bit better, whereas the Galaxy's Edge lines are always really long, the Slinky Dog Dash lines really long, the Runaway Railways really long because those are the newer rides and they're all fairly new within the last five years, right? All four of those have been in the last five years, yes. I think. Yeah. So for people who haven't been to Disney in five years, they potentially haven't been on any of those four rides. And so that explains kind of those long waits you have right. to pick and choose. I'll tell you one thing, though. You can do single ride around a lot of those suckers, and it is great. I basically walked on to um, Smuggler's Run when we were there last time. And I that single would be rider. so worth it. Yeah, except when you get stuck with a terrible family who doesn't know how to play. Well, that's true. Um, anyways, yeah, there, I mean, there's there's a lot of great attractions there, of course, and I think we pretty much talked about almost all of them. So I say with that, we just bounce right into entertainment. I'm going to let you go first because I kind of know what you're going to say. And I don't, I don't really think I have anything. So Well, you're not a big show guy. No. As you said last time, um, for me, the Indiana Jones epic stunt spectacular is my favorite show in hollywood studios of the 
shows and entertainment there. Um, I don't want to spoil anything for people who haven't seen it, but it is a fun little quirky show with a twist. And so I think, especially for people who like Indiana Jones, who like adventure, who like behind the scenes, um, Hollywood style things, I think this show is, it's thrilling, it's exciting, it it opens with the classic boulder scene and the switching of the gold. Um, and so you just kind of from the get-go feel like you're being transported backstage in a Hollywood film. Um, and so I think that one for me is a must-do when I go to Hollywood Studios. Yeah, it's, it is cool. I, I don't really have a whole lot to go on about it um, just because I, I've seen it once and I, I liked it enough. But yeah, I'm, I'm just shows just don't really do it for me as much. And I don't really want any kind of audience participation either, um, which that show has a little bit of. I mean, even we talked a little bit about Star Tours, right? And over in Star Tours, there's a a stage where, where Darth Vader will come out and they'll talk to the audience. And as soon as that happens, I walk away because I just don't want to, I don't want them talking to me at all. The only show that I haven't seen in... Hollywood Studios, but I have seen it because it's in Disneyland, is uh, Fantasmic. I can't imagine it's too different, although I've heard a lot of people say that the Fantasmic in Disneyland is better. I can't speak to that because I haven't seen the one in Orlando yet, but I think next time we are able to see it and it's open, we got to check that one out because I'm interested in, in, in what's going on with that one. And I have, we didn't see the one in Disneyland, did we? Um, I don't we think I did. did not. So I've only seen we walked one. we walked by it because right. you can walk like right by it. it's it's right. right there in Rivers of America. But right. whereas in Florida in Walt Disney World Hollywood Studios, um, you have to kind of go off the beaten path to the like amphitheater where Fantasmic is held, and so it's not just something that's right smack dab in the middle of the park that you're gonna pass it at night when it's happening. Um, that's actually my grandma's favorite show. She loves to see that one. I was her favorite park is when it was back called MGM. Um, she loved going to MGM. She loved Fantasmic. So that one's got a special place in my heart. But the other show that I saw for the first time when we went on our baby moon while Steven was hanging out in Galaxy's Edge since I couldn't ride those rides, I got myself a lemonade i think or some drink and went into the for the first time in forever frozen sing-along now let me preface this by saying steven and i are not frozen people no way like we just really don't like frozen we walked out of the first movie and when we were dating like i'm so sorry to everyone out there who loves the movie frozen and your kids watch it 800 times a day but it's a pass for us. Well, we're probably going to just not tell our daughter that Frozen exists and right. see how long it takes for her to figure out that there are these other two princesses and a snowman. But all that being said, I went into this show seeking air conditioning and a break. And I laughed so hard and I walked out wishing I had seen that show again because it was hilarious. The two cast members who are sort of the MCs of the show were cracking jokes the whole time. Adult jokes, mind you, that probably went over the heads of all of the children in the room. But it was so funny and it was engaging with the audience. They were 
it seemed like they were ad-libbing a lot of their lines, but I'm sure most of them were scripted. Um, They just seemed so natural. And the sing-along part, you know, Stephen would have been totally miserable during that. I would have rolled out so fast. Yeah, he is. When the audience starts singing or anyone starts singing, he just kind of like, it's like, I'm I'm done with that. I don't even, I don't even watch movies and TV shows singing in them. Well, sometimes I, I watch them and you, by the transitive property, watch them, but that's about it. Right. That's about it. Um, but this show actually was hilarious. So if you're not a Frozen person, give it a chance. Um, air conditioning, there's bubbles at the end. It's a fun time. It was a fun time. I would totally do it again. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, I, like I said, I don't really have anything shows-wise. There is one thing. It's kind of like a thing to do, sort of. But one thing that's kind of kind of my jam is the Lightning McQueen Racing Academy. Oh, that was fun. That was kind of cool, right? Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it. I thought it was going to be just another one of those things where we just sit in the AC, but... Yeah, we kind of popped in one day because it just seemed like something to do, and it was neat. I mean, it was the animatronic Lightning McQueen, and it was, I mean, I was on my phone a lot of it because we were sitting in the back, but it was, it was neat. I I didn't, I didn't have any, any qualms. And I think with kids, it would, they would really enjoy it. I think it was, it was really engaging for families. So if you've got little ones, definitely check out the Lightning McQueen show. Totally. Let's talk dining. Ooh, dining. So I don't, I don't really have too much to say about dining. I feel like I don't have much to say at all. Actually, wait, no, I have a lot to say. Yeah, you're thinking. It's just in Galaxy's Edge, right? You're forgetting Galaxy's right, Edge, right? Because I'm thinking, you know, Hollywood Brown Dor- Derby, um, the Hollywood and Vine, the '50s Primetime Cafe. Like I could take it or leave it, but you give me a table in Docking Bay Seven or at Oga's, and I am so happy. So, how, how do we want to do this? Do you want me to? Just go on and on about Galaxy's Edge for a while. So why don't Do you, you want kick to talk it off with da- Galaxy's Edge? But what I will just throw in my two cents with this is I have to start my day with a Ronto wrap at Ronto Roasters in Galaxy's right. Edge because I know when I'm going to Hollywood Studios with Steven, we are heading straight to Galaxy's Edge in the morning. Yep. And so while he is doing whatever he wants to do and get pictures of of the stuff before it gets too crowded, I'm going to get myself a Ronto wrap from Ronto Roasters. They are really, really good. It's like a pita bread um, with, um, what is it, a, a sausage, a pork sausage? Yeah, it's like a pork sausage and there's with egg and stuff in there. And it's really cheese good. And so it's like a breakfast sandwich, but it seems like very Star Wars-y. Um, and so I would just highly recommend if you're a breakfast person or you want to eat something in the morning to last you through the day at Hollywood Studios. A Ronto wrap is a really good way to start your day. And the blue milk in Galaxy's Edge is also delicious. I like the blue milk at Oga's because it comes with that cookie on top. Yes, the Bantha cookie. So, yep, that's my that's my uh, two cents for Galaxy's Edge food. Okay, so I I make no I make no have no secrets about the fact that I'm a, I'm a really big Star Wars fan. And Galaxy's Edge for me is like a, is like a dream come true. Um, I love it so much. And uh, the food there is fine. It's fine. I do do like a, a Ronto wrap a lot. Their lunch one's really good. Uh, but for me, the biggest, the, the, the best thing about 
dining there is Oga's Cantina by a landslide. Mm-hmm. Their food is is fine. It's it's weird. It's not really going to fill you up because it's not really it's not a sit down meal. It's more right. Like, it's like snacks. It's more like tapas. You know, <laughs> we do things a little differently here. Right. Um, but the drinks at Oga's are so so good. I the first time we went, I think I had the fuzzy tauntaun. Because I really just want... I mean, it's the one that kind of numbs your mouth a little bit. Yeah, I was not at all trying that one. So good. And then last time we went, I asked the um, cast member or waitress what I should get. And she recommended a Dagobah Slug Slinger. And that was really good. It was kind of like a citrus juice uh, cocktail that was based off of um, Dagobah, of course. And... um, Every time I've been there, it's just so it's such a great experience. I I have a little DJ Rex figure on my on my desk for work that I ended up paying too much money for on eBay because I couldn't find it at Target when they released them. And uh, yeah, it's just it's great. And the food is like I said. I mean, the food like a, a docking bay seven is good. There's nothing really necessarily that I would say when I go to Hollywood Studios, I have to eat at X, Y, and Z because the food is so good. It's more like I have to eat there because the experience is so killer and you just do not get that anywhere else. Right. And I think for all of the places that we ever eat in Hollywood Studios as a whole, that is pretty much what we go for. It's not for the specific food items in Hollywood Studios as much as it is what vibe do we want. Like, I've always wanted to try the sci-fi dine in theater. That is not at all Stephen's jam. So someday we'll have to do that. But the 50 style drive-in sounds so appealing I, to me. And I know that it's going to be just a mediocre burger. Yeah. I, I like, think, I know I that going I would, in. I think I would do it. It just, it doesn't, something about it doesn't really appeal to me. But it appeals to me more than the 50s primetime cafe does. Right. So, and I love, I mean, I, I love a burger. Well, yeah. So, I, I think I could hang there. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's, there, we haven't, I feel like we haven't actually really eaten it that many places well we usually end up eating at mama melrose's because we know that we like italian food like it's really hard to mess up italian food so we go and we get our chicken parmesan or whatever steven wants to get and uh yeah you're getting good italian food i know that some people really don't like mama melrose's they think it's overrated but i i like the feel of being in that restaurant i think it's cute on the inside it it fits with that little corner um, in Hollywood studios, and it makes me feel like I'm in a little Italy in a city or something um, where I'm getting decent Italian food in a Disney park. So Yeah, I mean, the food is decent at best. It's not, again, it's not something that I, I would tell people you have to go there, but it is good, and, and I, don't, I don't really leave there bummed that I ate there. Right, that's for exactly, sure. exactly. And they also have good cocktails, too, and, and a good wine selection, actually, which yep. is nice. Um, there's definitely some other places that I want to try when we go in the future, although I'm going to try to convince you otherwise, but I don't even think Hollywood Studios is on our list of places to go in October, which is devastating to me. I only because we have, we will have a 10 month old or 11 month old and this park probably has the least to offer for her at that age. Yeah, that's true. Because when we want her to be able to experience Galaxy's Edge and really take it in and remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of the other things in the other parks we feel like would be like Magic Kingdom, of course, and Animal Kingdom, which is my favorite park. Right. 
Um, and we know that kids can really get a lot out of that because if for nothing else, we can go look at the animals and then. Right. And Epcot's relax. really more for us than her. So. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. Epcot for us is all about the food and drink. So tell me about it. So I think, yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely some other places I want to try when we go back to Hollywood Studios. And um, I definitely think that the the Brown Derby is one of them. It's it's based after the famous uh, the famous restaurant in Los Angeles with all of the, um, you know, silhouette pictures on the wall and, and famous actors and things like that. So I'd like to try that sometime. But I think I think next time we go, we'll, we'll hit up the Sci-Fi Diner. Just so that you feel like we're doing something you want to do. Yeah, well, I I think it'd be really fun. I know it's some people think it's gimmicky. Some people it's one of their favorite places to eat just because of the atmosphere and not necessarily because of the food. We've heard kind of mixed reviews on the food. So we'll have to check it out ourselves before we share what we think about the food. But the experience as a whole, yeah, I've heard pretty good things about the atmosphere. So I think it would be worth checking out. I guess I don't. If there's one thing I don't want people to think, it's that I'm a wet blanket. I know I sound like it a lot, but I hate drive-ins. I don't like going to them at all. It just feels like, why would I okay, Why would I sit outside or in my car when I could just stay home? Part of the problem is last time we went to the drive-in, well, not last time, two times ago, you got eaten alive by mosquitoes because it was a hot, humid day. Yeah, and the time, bef- the time after that, someone left their headlights on. Yeah, so. So. If we had lived in the 1950s, maybe you'd like drive-ins better. Well, maybe, except for all the emissions. I, I guess, again, I, I sound like a wet blanket, and I'm sorry, <laughs> but that's just kind of how things are. I don't yeah, I don't really have much else for, for dining, but I do have a lot for things to do. All and right, why don't you kick us off then? Yeah, basically the things to do section is like, it's not an attraction, it's not entertainment, and you're not really going to eat. These are more just like shopping experiences, uh, little magical areas that you can go to, uh, maybe exhibits. And I'm going to start this off with One Man's Dream, which is an area right in Animation Courtyard. It's kind of by the um, it's kind of by the Voyage of the Little Mermaid. And technically, the area is called Walt Disney Presents. And it's just, it's a really cool little area that kind of reminds you of why you love going to Disney in the first place, which is everything that, you know, Walt Disney had had envisioned and dreamed. It's a really, really cool area. There's a lot of stuff. Some of them are reproductions, like his desk and stuff. But there are a lot of things there that are commemorative of um, Walt Disney's life and then how he how does disney world disneyland and disney world kind of came to be yeah it's really cool we had the opportunity to go to the disney family museum in san francisco i was gonna say this whoops as you were talking i was thinking about that because it reminds me so much of that in san francisco yeah but the, the san francisco one is like so great well, and it's, I mean, it's a museum for that specifically. Right. So this is sort of just like a small little exhibit in Disney World to give mm-hmm. you just a taste of that, whereas we were able to go to the family museum right. in San Francisco. So either way, it's a lot smaller and it's it's a quick walkthrough. And, and once you've done it once, you can basically kind of swing through and that'll be that. But there's a little show at the end. I think it's called One Man's Dream. And... It's just a really cool little short video about Walt's life. And again, a lot of things that if you're a big Disney fan, you probably know this stuff already, but it's a nice little reminder. And it's just, 
it's fun and it's air conditioned and um, it's just a nice little area. Did you have any other things to do that you? I have so many. Okay, you keep going. You just then. keep rolling with yep. it. Yeah, and then I'll right. just I'll just chime in when I have things to add. I really like to also check out where Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is uh, because it is an exact replica of the of the Grauman's Chinese Theater in Hollywood. I have been there several times. Um, I've never seen a movie in there, but. It is it is gross. Not not the the ride in Disney, but the actual Grauman's Chinese Theater is just gross. Yeah, I was so, very um perturbed put off. Yeah, when I went to Hollywood for the first time, I was expecting it to be this beautiful magical place where dreams come true it's not. and it was to me dirtier than Times Square. I was just surprised because I had these really high expectations for Los Angeles and Hollywood. And I saw the Chinese theater and I went to look at the handprints. And that part was cool. Like I got to see the handprints from the Harry Potter cast and all of these wonderful, famous people. But it was just underwhelming. So I think the one in Disney World is actually better because it's so much cleaner and not as not as nasty. Well, Hollywood... Hollywood Studios is great because you have Hollywood Boulevard and then you've got Sunset Boulevard going right up to center stage where the where the theater is. And it's just a clean version of what you would get in California. Right. So it's it's just kind of fun to hang out in that area. If you go to center stage right across the way from the theater, oftentimes they'll do a lot of cool photo pass stuff there. So check that out for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a yeah, that's a really cool area. Another fun thing is in the animation courtyard, they've got I don't know if they still have it there, but they have like a Star Wars launch bay. And did they have it last time or is that just like a cool off section? There was a lot that changed during COVID. Yeah, I don't remember. So I if don't remember. We did do no, we did go in there, but they didn't have the meet and greets during COVID. Right, right. Because we still walked in there and that's where I um Got some reprieve from the hot Correct. Florida sun in July. Yes. For a few minutes. So that's a cool area, but it's definitely not as cool as Galaxy's Edge. Like at the time I was like, whoa, this is great. And uh, it's nothing compared mm-hmm. to Galaxy's Edge. So I'm just going to, I guess I'm just going to go right back in there because, you know, all roads lead back to Batu. There, that is, that is seriously a place. I don't. I don't think I can oversell it because I really think that it's as good as everyone says it is. But one of the things I love so much about that area, and I think besides the marketplace mer- uh, the market mer- merchants that are that are there, probably my favorite thing to do is Doc Ondor's Den of Antiquities. And that is such a cool, such a cool little spot. That's where you can get your lightsabers, you can get kyber crystals, you can get holocrons. Um, These words make sense if you've been there. Right. You, I mean, so Doc Ondor's there. You can see him. He's a really cool giant animatronic. There are so many little Easter eggs in there, including um, the creatures from Attack of the Clones in the um, in in the scene where Anakin, Obi Wan, and Padme are, are chained up to the uh, to the pillars. It's just it's so cool and. That's seriously one of those places where I don't really buy much in there, except for I bought lightsabers in there before. But and you bought every color kyber crystal. Yeah, I didn't. I don't have the guts to keep buying red ones so that I can get the black kyber crystal. Right. But 
I shouldn't say the guts. I don't have the financial means to just keep on doing that. Right. But um, I love, love that area. And that is seriously a place that I could just spend. I could seriously spend all day in there um, just because of how how cool it is. Like the merchant marketplace is great. And there's a lot of cool things there. I love the um, Targaryen toy shop or the toy maker. I love just all the little shops there are really, really cool. Like the creature stall. But something about um, Doc Ondors to me is just so special and so, so cool. It really is like it's reminiscent of like the old Jedi temples and just to be able to kind of have that and walk in there and shop lightsabers and look at um, all the products that are there. It's, it's fun. A lot of it is ridiculous and I never would buy it like two, $300 busts of Palpatine. Like I don't need that, but it's still really cool. And then of course, droid depot is great too. I've never built a droid, but I, I love that area. It's, it's a lot of fun. I actually think that would be fun. I think I'd mm-hmm. like to build a droid. Yeah, maybe ne- we'll do it next time. Nope, we won't because we're not going there next time. Next time we go to Hollywood Studios. And then the only other thing I'd say uh, about that area specifically is Savi's Workshop is great uh, where you do build a lightsaber. If you have a chance to do that, check it out. It is super cool and the experience is just pretty phenomenal. I think there have been some changes with COVID protocol though and I don't know how much you get to be hands-on. Like, I think last I heard, they actually build it for you, which is wildly disappointing. Um, but uh, did you hear about that? I did. I yeah, think they you're like the one that told me that. put it together for you, which is a huge track. Right, because they didn't want... Which doesn't make sense. If you're taking it home, why can't you touch your own lightsaber? I guess they don't want you, like, touching all the other pieces. Right, because you get to pick out your parts. Right. You so. get to create your own lightsaber piece by piece. So maybe yeah. that's why, but... Um, so I don't, I mean, this isn't a Galaxy's Edge show, so I'm not gonna carry on about it too much, but that whole area is great. And for me, like, as far as things to do are concerned, just being there is amazing. Um, so it's really cool. Yeah. And I actually have one thing in terms of things to do that I enjoyed the first time we went to Galaxy's Edge. And, um, I don't know how many of you have ever downloaded the Play Disney Parks app where you can kind of interact with the parks on this separate app than the Disney app um, where you can play games while you're waiting in the lines for the rides. You can play games and do challenges while you're in different lands and different areas. But I really enjoyed my time playing um, on this app in Galaxy's Edge because it would give you missions and you had to go to different places in galaxy's edge and find things and achieve these goals so all coming back to my competitive nature i thought it'd be really fun to spend my day staring at my cell phone when i had spent all this money in the park right but it was actually really fun because while we were waiting in the queue for millennium falcon it was like looking out for these things as you pass these things answer this question um And so I thought it was something engaging that could kind of keep me from just standing around in line, twiddling my thumbs for 90 minutes. Um, It kind of gets you invested in the area of the park that you're in and getting you engaged with the park even more. So just beware your battery life on your phone if you're doing the Play Disney Parks app and the Disney app to use it to check the wait times and things. But I thought it was really fun, especially in Galaxy's Edge. I didn't I didn't really use it too much in any of the other areas or the other parks, but I had just heard so many people engaging with the Galaxy's Edge piece 
um, completing these missions that I thought that was really fun. I didn't do that, actually. You didn't. But you were soaking in the experience yeah. of Galaxy's Edge and just, like, right. milking that for what it was worth. That so. is not that we're going to do this because I don't really have the means right now or I don't think the desire. But that's one of the big aspects of being on the Galactic Star Cruiser is interacting with your phone. Um, and, like, you have to be on your phone for missions and to interact with, like, cap the captain and other crew members and stuff. I just don't think, I don't think I could do that. I think I would just get, like, irritated with all the messages I'm getting. Yeah, it it did start to get a little bit old. But like I said, I pretty much only did it while we were in Galaxy's Edge. So when we left Galaxy's Edge and headed over to Toy Story Land or back over to the Echo Lake area towards the center of the park, um, I didn't really use the app as much for that. Um, and then the only other thing to do that I enjoy is just kind of hanging out on Sunset Boulevard while Steven rides the Tower of Terror or Rock and Roller Coaster. If I did not wait in the queue with him and take the exit route, then I just kind of hang out somewhere on Sunset Boulevard, grab myself a snack or a drink and just relax. Um, I think that area is just so pretty and so reminiscent of some of the aspects of California. Um, some of the, some of the pieces of it just feel so familiar to the Hollywood area. So I really enjoy just hanging out on Sunset Boulevard while I'm waiting for Steven to ride some of these thrilling rides that I don't do. I'm with you on that. And this is kind of dining, but the Sunset Ranch Market is pretty cool over there too. We've eaten there a couple of times yeah. and it's just, it's a fun little area. Um, you know, QSR food, not great, but it's still fun. I mean, that whole area is really nice. And like I said, it's like a cleaner version of um, <laughs> Southern California. So that's a win for everybody. Right. There are some other really fun things about Hollywood Studios that are outside of the gate. And I was actually able to experience some of this for the first time just because I didn't. Um, because I, I hadn't really been able to explore. Like when we first started going and it was my first time going, we just kind of went straight through the gates and just hung out in the parks. But one of the benefits of not going to a park one day or, you know, spending like having a little bit of more free time on your hands is we did that walkway from Hollywood Studios to Epcot. And I thought that was really cool. It was really cool. Um, It's again, it's not in Hollywood Studios, but it's a nice walk. And then there's, you know, you can take the um, you can take the Skyliner, you know, if you want to. And <laughs> there's the uh, Friendship Boat. And of course there's buses and stuff, but the, the transportation area, I think in Hollywood studios is probably the best because you have that awesome little walkway that I think goes like right by the Swan and Dolphin. You have the Skyliners, you have the boat. It's just, it's nice. It's really, really nice actually. Yeah, there. It is. So I really, um. I really appreciate that area too. And that's a fun thing to do. If like, let's say like you're in the park and you just need a little break or something, like leave and go ride the Skyliners for a little bit. Just take them for a joyride. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, we did that last time. We kind of resort hopped a little bit and we'll we'll talk about that um, on a different episode, just resort hopping and, and some tips about which resorts we like and which ones we went to. But getting on the Skyliner and just kind of taking a break and viewing more of the Disney property that you might not have seen before is a really fun way to break up your day and just kind of sit down and take a load off. Because 
you can't always find a place to sit in Disney that's available, especially when it's really crowded. Um, so finding a mode of transportation where you also get a view instead of just getting on a crowded bus where you might have to stand. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it's worth taking the Skyliner or the boat or something um, and just kind of taking a break. Yeah, it's definitely it, it's so I'm I'm definitely one of those people where I have to I feel like I just need to live in every single moment that I'm given. And so if I'm in a park and if I have an opportunity to just keep on writing things and seeing everything there is to see, I will just go. But there's a lot of value in taking a quick minute, even if it's like a half hour to 45 minutes and stepping away. And we that's something we've done. And I really actually cherish that because it does give you a minute to relax and to just take time away from the busyness of the parks and walking so much. Um, and so, yeah, the Skyliners is a perfect excuse to do that. And you you really get to see so much. It's fun. And it's I think really it fun. gives you more energy for the second part of the day. Right. It's like, like a recharge. Right. You get thing. a little bit of a reset depending on where you're staying or if you're staying on property. Sometimes people might go back to their resort or their room for uh, a little break in the day, especially if you have kids or little ones or something. But if you are not staying close by to the park that you're in, because um, some of the areas of Walt Disney World property can be so spread out depending on where you're staying and which park you're in, um, these modes of transportation can be that little um, kind of getaway for a little bit to reset and then go back into the park and kind of yeah. have fresh legs and be a little bit more rested. Except for the buses at night. You, you can't, you cannot rely on those. Yeah, so we actually... The only other thing that I wanted to mention about Hollywood Studios is we haven't seen a nighttime show there um, in a really long time. That's I, on me. Yeah, because uh, we were going to see the Star Wars one on the Chinese theater there. But um, Stephen was like, let's try to catch the bus back to Magic Kingdom, ride one of the rides real quick, and then we can watch the fireworks over the castle. Well, unfortunately, we ended up waiting for the bus from Hollywood Studios to Magic Kingdom for close to an hour. And because it was so late, we couldn't get back into Hollywood Studios. Right. So it was Just too late to get back stupid. into Hollywood Studios. So we missed that show. And because we had waited so long, we were like, the fireworks show is already starting. Yeah. We don't even have time if we get on the bus to get over there and ride anything. We would just be catching the end of the fireworks show. So we did catch the end of the fireworks show. Right. And we actually were able to go on Space Mountain. We were, right so, right at it the wasn't, tail end. Yeah, it wasn't the end of the world, right. but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just have to, you have to manage your time well at the end of the day because you cannot rely on the transportation being on time, buses most specifically, because anything can happen with those. But um, something like the Skyliner, unless it's a really long line, you can usually right. kind of rely on that to be more on time. Well, because they keep moving. And that's one thing that, you know, we can we can certainly dig into later. But I'm I don't know if I really am, especially in Orlando, if I'm if I'm a huge advocate of park hopping, because I don't know. I mean, it depends on what the structure of your vacation looks like. And everyone has their own way of doing things. So just take it with a grain of salt. But because there's so much to do and see in each park, especially if you don't go very often and you are trying to maximize your time and, and have a great time in the park that you're in, just I wouldn't worry about park hopping. Um, 
because there's there's enough to do for everybody and again you can take a quick minute like every pretty much every park you can head out and go do something for a little while and then come back yeah i think the only thing i'd say about park hopping with hollywood studios specifically is because epcot is so close park hopping from hollywood studios to epcot is a pretty common thing my family used to always do a half day in mgm aka hollywood studios and a half day in Epcot, we would never take full days for those two parks until we got older when we could really appreciate Epcot for what it was worth. Um, But the other thing is some of the parks close a little bit earlier. So Epcot and Magic Kingdom, I believe, stay open later than the other ones. So sometimes people will finish up in Hollywood Studios or Animal Kingdom and then want to stay out a little bit later to try to get their money's worth. So then they'll head over to those parks that stay open, try to catch a nighttime spectacular or catch a couple rides while the parks kind of empty out a little bit. I get that. I totally get that. I think at this point for me, though, cutting out when the park closes and if you want to get a little more time on your hands, go to Disney Springs. Yeah. Go to a rooftop bar at the Coronado. Like there's a lot to do that isn't a gate and then you'll save money throughout the day because you're not spending that extra money on, you know, park hopping so you can go for like an extra hour. Right. Again, to each their own. This is just sort of what my experience has been. And that's what we typically do. We like to spend one whole day in one park. Um, We usually try to go so that we can spend the entire day in that one park and and make the most out of that park and maximize our time, which is which is why we're sharing these episodes with what our ideal days look like so that you can kind of see um, what our our days are filled with when we go to these parks and how we try to maximize our time by choosing certain rides and certain entertainment and and dining that really fits in with our schedule and that we can make happen all in one day realistically. So I think that's just about going to wrap it up for us here at the Parks Academy. Um, We really appreciate everyone who's been listening to us. We are only, this is our third episode, but we've already had some really, some pretty big movement on social media. Um, We have had a pretty good amount of downloads on our podcast already just in the last week or so. So we appreciate everyone who is checking us out. You can, of course, find us online at um, theparksacademypod.com. That's theparksacademypod.com. And we're also on Instagram at theparksacademy. And uh, we are, yeah, we also, um, we're transcribing a lot of our episodes and then we're putting them up on YouTube so that people can hear them that way. So if you don't really have a podcast player, you're not really using that, you can do it that way. And uh, we're also in talks about maybe putting together some special extra content with like a Patreon situation. So we'll keep you updated on that as that all happens. Um, We might do some, you know, special bonus shows, maybe some uh, like a Discord channel or something like that. So there's a lot that we are, you know, wanting to do, but we can't really do it without a decent amount of, you know, support from everyone and, and those who are listening. So as we grow and as we carry on with this we are excited to kind of see what comes of it and uh we're really looking forward to continuing on this journey and next week we are actually i can just say it we're going to be uh, going over our ideal day at epcot and i'm really excited about that one i'm buckle up because that could be like a three-hour episode there is so much to talk about there and 
it's one of our favorite parks and the dining section alone is probably going to take up far too much time so again thank you so much for listening to the parks academy we've been having a great time and we'll catch you next time 